You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. I want to talk today about all of your needs. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I think we would all agree today that we have needs. Even the person who has more than enough money to do them for two lifetimes has need. Some of us have spiritual needs. Some of us have financial needs. Some of us have bodily needs. But God is able to supply all our needs. Every need. There are a number of needs that we refer to as felt needs. Needs that are common to all people everywhere. The rich, the poor, the young and the old. Security is a felt need. Appreciation. Everyone likes to be appreciated. We need to be understood, understanding, friendship. People need friends, purpose. We need purpose in our lives, spiritual growth. There's nothing worse than giving your heart to the Lord 20 years ago and still be stunted in your spiritual growth. I'm going to just use a couple of words here today that just to keep us on track. The first word I want to talk about is emotion. Emotional. People are carrying a lot of emotional baggage. It's been the same in every generation, but probably no more than it is today. Just consider mankind when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. They were very secure. The Bible says that God came down and walked with them and talked with them every evening. But after they sinned, we find God coming down to speak again with them and to commune with them. And they were hiding. God knew where they were. But he calls out and he says, Adam, where are you? Adam said, I'm hiding. 
Why are you hiding? He said, we ate of the fruit that you told us not to. We discovered we're naked. Sin brought a tremendous sense of insecurity into their lives and has been following us down through the ages. Someone has suggested three components necessary for a person to experience emotional security. A sense of worth, a sense of belonging, and a sense of purpose. If there is a, if, uh, if, uh, there is a sense of worth that if it's missing in our lives, we feel inferior. Past experiences have affected our thinking. Maybe it was abuse, verbal, mental, physical, sexual. But there's a lot of people who just can't get over the things that have happened in the past. And every day it's a weight around their neck. And they cannot seem to escape and they're never really free in their lives. You begin to feel worthless. The devil knows that better than anyone else. And he plays on that. And people with tremendous potential to touch their generation for Christ are in a shell because they feel that there's so much less than anybody else, that there's something wrong with them. They believe the lie of the devil. Then there's a sense of belonging. If this is missing, we feel insecure. A person needs to be a part of something. Part of a family, part of a fellowship, a part of a church. A person needs to Feel included. If you come to this church and this is your first time here, you will be greatly influenced by the way you are treated from the time you've come in until the time you go out. If nobody notices you, if nobody shakes your hand, if nobody bids you welcome, you will go away feeling that this place is not a good place to be. I don't feel a part of it. Some people are forsaken by family. And it gives us tremendous sense of insecurity. Some have suffered loss, death, Separation, divorce, 
And along with that comes a, a terrible sense of insecurity. And probably none so much as people who are getting on in years. After spending all of your time taking care of a family, your children and your spouse, and then one day finding that you're not wanted anymore. And there's a tremendous sense of insecurity there. You can't break into a, a circle or a group. People who lose a loved one, who've had a, a whole company of friends around them, and they lose their spouse, and all of a sudden they find that they seem to be on the outside of that circle. They're not included in the things that they once were. They're on the outside looking in. Some feel all alone, and it's hard to deal with. We're getting close to Christmas again. And there's a tremendous sense of loneliness in our world today because of things that have happened over the years or even over the past year. They don't feel that they belong anywhere anymore. And then the sense of purpose, if it's missing, you feel inadequate. You see, life must have meaning. You've got to have a reason to get up in the morning. You've got to have a reason for getting out in the day and doing things. We must have a goal. Without a sense of purpose, our lives would be in limbo. Just pay attention. We're getting somewhere with this. Then there's another word, worry. And at its, at its extreme, we call it anxiety. People are weighed down with worry, concern, fear, nervousness. This is nothing new. Jesus addressed the problem 2,000 years ago. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. We have the record. Let's look at verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We worry so much about these things. But Jesus said, do not worry. You can go to the, to the, the, next, the next one slide there, please. Look at the, the birds of the air. 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Isn't it amazing how our Lord takes the very simple things, the things that you see every day, and points, points out to you, points, that's Newfoundland for points. <laughs> points out to you, to those things that you see every day, a simple truth. That God has promised to take care of you. He takes care of all of his creation. The flowers, the birds, and you and I. Then he asked, which of you by worrying can add one cupid to your stature? Some versions say one minute or one second to your day, to your lifetime. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, uh, which is today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, all you of little faith? Don't you know that God is going to take care of you? My God shall supply all your need. When we get focused on the natural things and forget about the spiritual side of things, we can start worrying. But if you can just focus on the fact that God made you, God created you, God is taking care of you, and he's going to make sure there's clothes on your back, there's a roof over your head, there's food on your table. You've got nothing to worry about. You're secure in him. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But you know something? You read, in, you read the Word of God in context, and for some strange reason, God wants me to ask him. If I need a new pair of shoes. I don't need to look into my piggy bank and say, well, I just don't have enough for a pair of shoes. Lord, I need a pair of shoes. Lord, I, knew I need a, a warm winter parka. 
You ask him. He said, and keep asking until you receive it. But listen to verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, God don't want us to focus on our needs. He wants us to focus on him. Put him first. Get into the word of God. Find out what God says about your situation. Find out what God can do and what he has promised to do about your health, about your wealth, about your family, about your relationships. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. Now, there are four reasons why people worry. They fail to recognize their potential. Do you realize that you've got tremendous potential in Christ? Just because you're a part of the family of God? A lot of people don't know who they are or what they can be. Our world is filled with people who are moaning over missed opportunities. Nelson Mandela died this week, 95 years of age. Spent 37 years of his life in prison. You would say, well, they sure showed him, didn't they? By the time he got out, he was too old to do anything. And yet he changed his nation. And today the whole world Is praising him. At one time he was considered by the United States and all of the free world as a terrorist. But we have tremendous potential. If ungodly men can rise to fame and power, how much more should a child of God be able to do that? And yet we listen to the lies of the devil. I can't do anything. I'll never be anything. You're just like Gideon. My father and mother are nothing. We're the lowest of the clans, and I'm the lowest of our clans. Why do you call me mighty man of valor? But if God calls you a mighty man of valor, you better believe him because you are. 
I've got a secret for you. It shouldn't be any secret, but maybe you've just brushed it off. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of us are ready to give up. God says you're just ready to get started. People don't know. Don't know God and his power. Oh, we know about him. But do you know him? And the power that is in him. They don't know that God knows. How often do we go around saying, Lord, you don't care about me. Lord, why did you let this happen to me? Lord, why, why, why? We say those things because we don't really know God. We don't know that God knows. When you're feeling all alone, when you feel like God don't hear, when you feel like God don't care, God knows. Then the last reason they fail to put God first in their lives. They try everything else. Then when nothing else works, we may try God. The three most common areas of anxiety. Now, anxiety is another step. Down or up, whatever you want to call it. From worry. It's when you get to a point where you're out of control. The the three most common areas of anxiety is health, money, and family, your health. Father died young, I'll die young. There's cancer, there's heart disease, dementia in our family. I'm sure to have that too. The stress of not knowing, expecting something bad to happen. You just don't know when. It's going to happen, but I I don't know when, but I know it's going to happen. And a lot of times we're worrying over something that will never happen in my life. Money, job security, is becoming a thing of the past, isn't it? I would say, out of all of us here, even the younger people, already in your lifetime have had three or four jobs, worked for three or four different companies. 
When I was a young man, if you got a job, you stay with that company until you die or until you retire. Very seldom do you find that anymore. Financial security is not so secure anymore. Pension plans have a way of dissolving. Investments can come to nothing overnight. And the financial security in our world today is only, to, only as good as today's news. Seems like they're just the simplest things cause the ripple effect throughout the whole world. We're global now. Almost as soon as something happens anywhere in the world, you know about it. The stress, financial problems put on families, causing more and more breakups in marriages, financial stress. Family, husband and wife relationships, crumbling. Do we somehow think that our fathers and our grandfathers had an easy time in their marriages? They found it just as difficult as you and I do. But they were men and women of integrity, and when they stood before a preacher and they said their vows, they meant them. When they said, till death do us part, they meant it. It was a, it was a solemn oath that they made before God, and, and no matter what happened, no matter how rough things got, they found a way to work it out. Parents and children relationships. children don't get the foundation in the home, they'll never get it when you send them off to kindergarten. From that time on, the world is tearing down every truth that you ever put into your child, trying to at least. Responsibilities and concerns in the family cause great stress, great anxiety. Then some of you who are about to become parents of teenagers. Let me tell you, you're in for a whole new thing. And as that, you look at that darling little girl and that handsome young boy, and they're rapidly becoming men and women before your eyes. They're beginning to form their own opinions and their principles and their character 
will depend a whole lot on how you have trained them. And when they start seemingly rebelling against you and against the things that you've taught them and the way you think they should go, don't beat yourself up. Put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember that God cares about you, that God is concerned about your need, that God knows and God is more concerned probably than you are of whether your child is going to make it or not. You learn to lead them in God's hands. You learn to love them no matter what they come and tell you. You be the one person, the one person in skin that your son or your daughter can trust in and believe in. There's a world out there that will do everything to them to get them down, and then they'll kick them when they're down. They still need mom and dad to lift them up. That boy comes to you or that girl comes to you and says, I'm a homosexual or I'm a, or I'm a lesbian. Don't you turn them away. You love them. You help them to know that you love them just as much. That it makes no difference to your love and your support for them. Your son or your daughter is messed up in drugs. And they can't do anything about it. They become alcoholics and drug addicts. You still love them. You still care for them. Do what you can. Hold on to what God has given you. They're your responsibility. You say, but oh, my son is 40. I've got a son who is... <laughs> Just about 50 now, 48, isn't he? You know, he's still my boy. Cindy is still my little girl. We're family. And my God will supply all my needs. And so when Cindy's got a problem, when her husband's got a problem, when her children's got a problem, I get on my face before God and I say, Oh, God, undertake for this situation. Oh, Lord, bless my son Dennis. Bless my son Graham. Bless their family, Lord. My God will supply all your needs. You hold together. You stick to your, your God. You stick to your beliefs. And you allow God to do what only he can do. Getting a little carried away here. Just stop and think for a moment. If health and money and family are the main reasons of anxiety, sooner or later one of those things are going to become my problem. Sooner or later one of us are going to be 
We're facing one or all of these things. What are we going to do about it? We're going to look to God, the one who promised to take care of our every need. Quickly now. My last point is two words. My God. Is he your God? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you have a re personal relationship with Jesus? If you don't, you know. When you get to a, a hard spot and you want to pray, there's a good chance that the old devil will start laying this on you. Well, you know, you come and you're asking God now, but he's not going to hear you, he's not going to listen to you because you're not like those other people. Don't listen. You call upon him. You seek him, put him first. The promise is that he will meet all your need. All means all. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now that's a very interesting. His riches in glory. You know, he gives to his children according to his riches in glory. God's giving is not merely from his riches or out of his riches, but according to his riches. Suppose you have an urgent and a legitimate need. You need $1,000 right now. And you and I are the best of friends. And you come to me and you say, Hayward, I need $100,000. You don't know it, but I know that I've got a hundred. I got I got a hundred thousand. You only need a thousand, but I've got a hundred thousand. And so I write out a check for a hundred for you. I would be giving you out of my riches, but not according to my riches. If I give you according to my riches, I would write out a thousand dollars for you and your need would be met. God gives us to us according to his riches. Amen? He'll meet all of our need. God has promised to supply our need according to his riches. We cannot have a need too great for God to supply. There's no one ever asked God for too much. He that spared not his own son, Romans 8.32 says, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has underwritten the supply of our every need. God's unlimited supply is his unfailing word. It should satisfy us just for that. God's wealth is at our disposal. And his provision is beyond calculation. 
The whole context of this passage in Philippians 4 is in reference to the needs that we have in this life. People who, who somehow want you to think that being a Christian means being in poverty here on this earth are totally wrong. The Bible is very clear. We're not going to have any needs in heaven. Amen? The promise is for here and now. And God is well able to provide according to his riches. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's his riches. Psalm 24, 1. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Psalm 50, verse 10. The silver and the gold belongs to him. Haggai chapter uh, 2, verse 8. There is healing in the atonement. By his stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. And we could go on for hours with scripture verses like that pointing out to the riches of God in Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Approximately 100 years later, God reveals this truth to Paul. In Psalm 37, he had said, once I was young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the godly abandoned or their children begging bread. Bill Gaither wrote this song many years ago, entitled The Longer I Serve Him. Every need his hand supplies, plenteous grace he bestows. Every day my way gets brighter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. There's another song that came out of Africa many years ago. Never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Jesus' love has never failed me yet. This one thing I know as I onward go. Jesus' love has never failed me yet. And he won't fail you either. You have a need today. Let God meet it. I want you all to stand right now. I know my time is gone. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. Maybe the Holy Spirit has brought some truth to your heart. Just like a light switch that's turned on into your life. You want to know Jesus as your Savior. Would you just pray with me? Let's everybody pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. Your word says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
that's me. Please forgive me. I accept Jesus into my heart and into my life. I believe that you're well able to supply my every need. Right now, I need Jesus. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. From now on, I'll do my best to serve you. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you need some prayer. There's people here that will join me here and we'll all pray together and we'll believe with God for you. If you need prayer, you just come on. Lord bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Have a great week. Tell somebody about Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, would you let somebody know, let me know so that we can follow up with you and give you some literature in your walk with God. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.